October 1st. And now as we turn our attention to the New Testament, we'll be reading in the book of Philippians chapter 2, beginning at verse 19. We'll go through chapter 3 and verse 3. Look out! Christ is the model for Christians and the life that we live and the service we have because He thought first of others, not of Himself. He's our model. Do you look out for the interests of others, or do you think only of yourself? Now be honest. Do you have the servant attitude of Jesus Christ, willing to sacrifice for others? Will you empty yourself that others might be filled? And we'll read about being poured out. The image is that of a drink offering, poured out on the altar. Paul was willing to pour out his very life for the sake of the Lord and his church, and to do it joyfully. Timothy and Epaphroditus had the same attitude of service and sacrifice, giving themselves for others. It was a guy by the name of F.B. Meyer who wrote, I used to think that God's gifts were on shelves, one above the other, and that the taller we grew in Christian character, the more easily we could reach those shelves. I now find that God's gifts are on shelves one beneath the other, and that it's not a question of growing taller, but of stooping lower to serve others. And now let's begin today's reading in the New Testament. October 1st, Philippians chapter 2, verse 19 Going through chapter 3, verse 3. If the Lord Jesus is willing, I, Paul, hope to send Timothy to you, Philippians, soon. Then when he comes back, he can cheer me up by telling me how you are getting along. I have no one else like Timothy who genuinely cares about your welfare. All the others care only for themselves and not for what matters to Jesus Christ. But you know how Timothy has proved himself. Like a son with his father, he has helped me in preaching the good news. I hope to send him to you just as soon as I find out what is going to happen to me here. I have confidence from the Lord that I myself will come to see you soon. Meanwhile, I thought I should send Epaphroditus back to you. He is a true brother, a faithful worker, and a courageous soldier and he was your messenger to help me in my need. Now I am sending him home again, for he has been longing to see you, and he was very distressed that you heard he was ill, and he surely was ill. In fact, he almost died. But God had mercy on him and also on me, so that I would not have such unbearable sorrow. So I am all the more anxious to send him back to you, for I know you will be glad to see him and that will lighten all my cares. Welcome him with Christian love and with great joy, and be sure to honor people like him. For he risked his life for the work of Christ, and he was at the point of death while trying to do for me the things you couldn't do because you were far away. Whatever happens, dear brothers and sisters, may the Lord give you joy. I never get tired of telling you this. I am doing this for your own good. Watch out for those dogs, those wicked men and their evil deeds, those mutilators who say you must be circumcised to be saved. For we who worship God in the Spirit are the only ones who are truly circumcised. 
We put no confidence in human effort. Instead, we boast about what Christ Jesus has done for us. Right now, we are in the midst of a supernatural war. This is a war between light and darkness. It's a war between good and evil. It's a war between Christ and Antichrist. This supernatural war is a fight to the finished. It's not until you get tired or you get weary. We're not doing this in our strength. We're doing it in God's strength. St. Paul gives this battle cry. Put on the whole armor of God. That is a command. It is not a request. It is for your benefit. You be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. He says you put on the full armor of God so that you may be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. He says, for our struggle, it is not against flesh and blood, but it is against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in heavenly places. He says, so therefore, you better lay down all your earthly weapons that do not work and take up some weapons that will actually have benefits in your life. He says, take up the full armor of God so that you may be able to resist in the evil day. And having done everything to stand firm, he says you ought to just stand firm, therefore. In this passage, the Apostle Paul introduces almost for the first time, at least this overtly, he introduces the concept of spiritual warfare. Paul says, endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Fight the good fight of faith. We're more than conquerors through Christ. St. Paul says in Colossians 2.15 that on the cross, quote, Jesus was spoiling powers and principalities and making a public show of Satan. The Bible says for this cause came Christ into the world to destroy the works of the devil. The message is that Christ went to the cross to defeat Satan. Now the question, the point I'm making here is this. You cannot believe in redemption of the cross and not believe in the purpose of the cross. And the purpose of the cross was to destroy a very real devil whose objective is to destroy you. The Apostle Paul says you have an enemy and he's very, very real and he's banking on the fact that you will forget he is there. There is a satanic force in this universe that's trying to deceive, divide, and to destroy, and he's being far too successful. And there'll never come a time in your life where Satan decides to leave you alone. But the fact is, the same Bible that tells you there is a real God, tells you there's a very real devil. With demonic forces, highly organized, totally ruthless, committed to destroying you. And that those demon powers will attack your mind and attack your body and attack your marriage and attack your finances and attack your children and attack your relationships and attack your church. That it's not your spouse who is the problem. There's an enemy. It's not your boss who is the problem. There is an enemy. It's not even your own personal internal turmoil that is the main problem. There is an enemy who lives to stir dissension and division and to see jealousy and envy to call to you and I not to have any peace of mind and peace of heart. And the enemy wants, or Paul wants you to know how strategic the enemy is, y'all, because he says, listen, the enemy is scheming against you. Somebody say scheme. Satan attacks you because you're God's child and he hates God's property. 
Satan attacks you because you're the light of the world and he's the prince of darkness. Satan attacks you because you're the truth and he's the father of lies. Satan attacks you because you're a soldier of the cross. You're anointed. You have the word of God. You have covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. You can take the sword of the truth of God and attack the gates of hell. You're a threat to him. You can only have one chance of survival. Put on the whole armor of God and fight back. Take the word, take the blood of the cross and the authority of Jesus' name and drive demonic goons back into the back alleys of hell because the victory is ours through Christ the Lord. God has given you authority. Use it so that you can have victory and peace in this life. Paul says, I'm going to give you some weapons that work. And he gives us, traditionally people say six, but really I believe there are seven pieces of armor. I want to tell you briefly what they are. He says, you need to make sure that you stand firm in verse 14, gird your loins with truth. He says, then you need a breastplate called righteousness. But he doesn't stop there. He says, you need something for your feet. They better be shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Then he says, you need a shield and it's called faith. He says in verse 17, you need a helmet. You need something to guard your mind. You need a helmet called salvation and you need a sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And while most people stop there, the apostle Paul does not. He says, even though these six things are important, you need one more thing. In verse 18, he says, and pray. And so pray. If you want victory in your marriage, would you make sure you are a man or a woman of prayer? If you want victory teenager in your high school or student at your university, then you got to become a person of prayer. And if you say you want to live victoriously and abundantly and yet you don't pray, then I don't believe you. Because prayer is how we live in the abundance of our God.